Good morning. Well, if some of you don't know, I've been gone for a couple of weeks, and that's why I get the privilege of being up here. I was in Vietnam for, I was gone for 11, 12 days, and I wanted just to share a few things from Vietnam, and maybe even if I get through the pictures fast enough, I'll even preach. But uh, had a really good time, Pastor Nelson. Uh, I went along with Pastor Nelson, and Pastor Nelson had been invited uh, for the ministry time um, by a gentleman, uh, Pastor Ernie Cully. He's from Vancouver. So, um, so you know what? Let's just get to the pictures right away. Um, we got invited, and we were quite excited. I was... Um, I was excited to go, and then I found it. I was going to a communist country. And then Brenda got scared. And uh, so um, I didn't know what to expect, and uh, it was really fascinating. This is Pastor Moses. He is a, the pastor that invited us. Um, in, in Vietnam, it is, um, you have to register your church with the government and then the government gets to monitor you and exercise some control over your message over your types of meetings and how you go about uh, functioning as a church um but pastor moses has refused to register his church so he oversees uh several house churches um and he's been in prison three different times um, since the communist government came in, uh, his latest, his last time he was in prison, he was in prison for two and a half years. And that was in the early nineties. Um, and, uh, so at that time, uh, an organization called the voice of martyrs, um, advocated for him with the government there. And he's, he was released. Uh, then for the next 10 years, um, he was followed and monitored by the secret police and the, the army. Um, so, so even uh, just in the last five years, he says it, they've, they've lessened their influence on his life. Um, but what happens is once a month, he gets, gathers all the leaders that he is in touch with in the home churches, and they gather, and that's what we were invited to uh, go to, three days of fasting and prayer. And so um, the registered church, there's one that he's in contact with. They allow him to use his facility. Um, and so they, he has a large enough facility. We had about 150 people uh, at, uh, at the conference, and, or SEM conference. Um, and uh, so, but even, even now, when, when we would get to the facility... Um, normally the taxi drivers, they just drop you off at the side of the street, but he would ask the taxi driver to take us right into the facility through the gates, um, because he says there's secret police that even now hang around the outside of these facilities to just kind of monitor who's going in and out. So he would drop us off inside the gate and then he would jump out of the van and, uh, he would, uh, kind of look around and he says, okay, go. He said, don't look around. Don't wait around. Just kind of keep your head down and just go straight into the building. So it was, it was uh, undercover. 
Karen was, Karen was quite impressed. He was like, oh, Dad, you're, you're undercover. <laughs> so he says they still monitor. You, still, you do not have the opportunity to worship openly. You can flip to the next. I'm, I get talking a lot. This is Pastor Moses. That's his wife on the left, his daughter on the right. She's a guitar player. She's a drum player. She's a worship leader. Um, in a few slides, we'll see uh, the, the church that she... Uh, works with. Okay, next picture. This is one of their overheads. What I, why I showed it is it's funny because these guys on the bottom, these four things, they dance while the music's going. <laughs> it's kind of fun. I just thought it was kind of funny. I think you even have a video maybe. Uh, do you have that video that starts with that? Can we click on it and see if it works? Let's just see if it works. We've, we just had overnight to put this together, but I, I wanted to show some. There they go. There de- <laughs> I just thought that was kind of cute. That kind of gives you an idea of the, the room that we were in. It's kind of the basement of a house where they've taken out all the walls and uh, fit about 100, 100, uh, 150 to 200 people. Uh, so that was kind of the meeting area. You saw kind of Pastor Nelson there. Next picture. This pastor. Um, I was asked when I got home, I went to my mom's and they quite often have people visiting them and there was a missionary lady there and she asked me, what was the greatest impact? And uh, I thought about it for, well, I didn't have to think too long, but I talked to this pastor. He, he uh, is the pastor of one of the underground churches uh, that meets in a home and he's had to move like five or six times because he says that he gets beaten up. The police will come. Somebody will report noise and a gathering in a house. And the police will come. And, and you're looking, you're literally standing like this from him. And he's talking to you about getting punched, about getting beaten up. And that, that's really impactful to me. I'm, I'll, you know, I can stand here and talk to you. I've sat in seats and heard people talk. And it doesn't really impact as much as standing right in front of the guy and he's telling you about how he gets beat up for doing what we're doing. He, had, he said they've been at, in, in the house worshiping and all of a sudden bullets will go flying through the, the windows while they're worshiping. That, to me, that was the greatest impact was, is seeing these, these pastors. And he's... He was one of the worship leaders. He helped lead worship. We, we sometimes lose our joy for the smallest little things. <laughs> um, and yet, you look at his face. He's got the kingdom of God dwelling in him. Righteousness, the peace, and the joy. And even Pastor Moses talking about his times in prison, getting sent into solitary confinement. He would go to bed at night not knowing if he was going to wake up in the morning. 
in, in the prisons there. He said they, would, they send you out to the old battlefields from the Vietnam War. And they, would, they were, you know, hard labor going to, to, to level out, make these fields, you know, level and smooth again from all the craters from the bombs and stuff. And in the fields, you would find shards of metal from the bombs. And, and the other prisoners, and he, here's a pastor in prison with murderers and rapists and every kind of crime. And they would tuck these shards of metal, he said, in their, in their, their pants. And at night, if they didn't like a particular other prison, they, prisoner, they would take that piece of metal and they would go and they would kill the guy they didn't like. And the guards didn't care. They wouldn't do anything about it. To, he said to the guards, it was just an, one less prisoner to have to deal with the next day. And he said every week, two or three guys would get murdered through the night. And he would go to sleep at night not knowing if he was going to wake up in the morning. To me, that was very just impactful. So it, it was a privilege, a privilege to be able to minister and encourage them. That gentleman, he was like an army general. The way he prayed, he would, he would, he would dance like the he would dance in, and he would come over to me, and he would grab my hands, and I danced with him. Whether I liked it or not, I just danced with him. It was, but to see what they go through and then to see the passion with which they worship is it's just amazing. Next, um, on the wind, on the the last night, I got to go to a youth meeting, and this is the guy that picked me up, and that's the motorcycle he picked me up on. Um, I don't do I, do I got? Can you do a video of? Uh, of um, a motorcycle ride. This was the night. This is the night. Um, it's amazing. There's millions of these things on the road. So this is me on the back of the the, the cycle. Um, you'll you'll see. This is a big, huge roundabout we're about to go through. Like right about. It's it's really busy. And then all of a sudden you have as we turn this corner. There's somebody walking a bicycle, riding a bicycle towards you, right here, right in the middle of the road, and then a guy coming towards you in the middle of the road, and this was at night, so it's not as busy as during the day, um, but, I mean, these people don't stop, you, you know, there's honking, there's horns going off, you can see all the shops on the side of the road, you got people driving towards you, um, like, that, that truck that just pulled in front of us, that, that's only, like, a foot away from you. It looks like a great distance. Uh, that was my motorcycle ride. It lasted about 40 minutes that night on the back of that motorcycle. And, uh, and that was my driver. That was me getting dropped off. They, they love the... Uh, they, just, they just have such a passion. That, that was a youth meeting I went to, and they had kind of a little bit of a Christmas party. and um, So that was cool. Sorry, this is a bad picture. I, this couple have been married 25 years. And so we went to a, a church meeting. We, we went to celebrate their anniversary, and it was a church service. That's how they celebrated their, their passionate. Next picture, this was a choir that sang for them. Uh, and next picture, this was the church. This is on the third floor of a building. 
Um, this is one of their underground churches. It's, it's almost like sound, soundproof. Um, you can't hear anything. Uh, there's no windows. There's no doors here except for the, the back door that you come in. I'm standing at the back door. So they could probably fit about 60, 70 people in that facility. Uh, next picture. After they made a meal. That, that used to be a whole chicken. And the guy puts the chicken in the middle of the table and then just rips it apart with his hands. And then next picture. So those are some of the young people. This is the young people's table. But that's a big pot of kind of boiling broth. And that's all seafood around the edges. And then they push all the seafood into the middle and they cook it right there while you're sitting there. Next. That's all the seafood around it before they. Okay, next. And that was my plate. I thought, <laughs> yeah, and those, those things are the, the tentacles coming out of that piece of something. Uh, I was eating stuff. I didn't know what it was. Uh, ask Brenda. I've come a long ways since I've been married. Um, yeah, there's a couple different kinds of squid in there, and uh, that's some sort of prawn or something. Um, all right, so that, that was the meal, and then that's a little cooker. I took a a little burner, and then they eat all kinds of weeds and things like that. And wow, it's uh, so that was that was a, the night we celebrated, and we had a great worship time. And and the the husband he got up and spoke for about ten minutes, and he he would remind you of Jackie Chan, the way he preaches, because he preaches he's like this and like this, and he's amazing and he's loud and. Uh, it was like he was preaching a sermon on his anniversary night. I didn't know if he was, you know, saying thank you to his wife for staying for 25 years or if he was preaching the gospel. I didn't know. But he was passionate, whatever it was. So that was that Saturday night. I don't know what's next. Okay, this was Sunday morning. That was, this was my second bike ride. It's funny. This guy, he picked me up, and he was from Canada. And uh, have you ever had anybody say, oh, I have a friend in Canada. Have you ever met him? You know, well, Canada's, you know. So, well, um, he went to church with Brenda's cousin. Can you imagine? I met him in Vietnam. Uh, he's married to, a, he went to Bible school in Thailand and met a girl from Vietnam in Thailand. He's from Alberta, uh, the Victory Church in Alberta. And uh, he got married. He's been living there for about five years. He's got a couple kids. And he picked me up and we started talking. And uh, <laughs> it's like, do you know so-and-so? And, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm friends with her on Facebook. <laughs> I said, well, that's my wife's cousin. And uh, so he took a picture of me. He put it up on Facebook. And about literally 10 seconds later, there was like, Daniel. So we weren't allowed to put any pictures up of, of the Vietnamese people and because um, the government monitors. So we, that's why we never kind of sent pictures back and forth. But anyways, that, this was Sunday morning. I went to their church. All, all the three of us that were ministering, we went to three different underground churches. So next picture. This is Sunday morning. This is the church in the house that I went to. So the first door you see on the left is the master bedroom. The second door where that girl in the back is coming, that's the, that's the church nursery. So while we're worshiping, there's kids running back. <laughs> It's, we, we have it pretty nice, the, you know, it's soundproof, but these kids are jumping on the bed, they're playing with toys, they're running up and down the aisle, and it's, uh, it was amazing. Um, next picture, 
So that was the door we saw, and then that's the left. That's their kitchen. So that's the size of their apartment. I'm standing at the front entrance door, taking the two pictures. So, so that's a home church that we met in, and it's it's on the sixth floor of an apartment complex. And they say they're they're good because they don't have a neighbor yet. So they have no neighbor, so they're allowed to worship. Um, the floors are pretty much soundproof. They much have a lot of concrete. Uh, so they're, they're able to worship, and they don't have a neighbor yet, so they're really happy about that. Um, I think I have a video of our one of the songs, just so you get an idea of... Um, you'll recognize the guitar player is the pastor, Pastor Moses' uh, daughter. See the guy in the nursery there? See the kids coming up? <laughs> That's the drums. That's the drums. It's amazing, it's amazing how many sounds that thing makes. Don't get, pick it up. <laughs> I think at some point in time I turned the camera. I was intrigued by the drums. I don't know why. but So I, I took a... I think I turn around here, yeah. That's their worship list on the board. So there was about 20 of us there that morning, and I got to pre- I had the privilege of preaching to them. So that was my Sunday morning. Uh, next picture. There, that was my breakfast. I don't know what kind of meat that was. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, so you see what that looks like. Okay, next picture. That was us eating. That's Pastor Moses, Pastor Nelson, that's Pastor Ernie Cully. And there you, yeah, so they're eating. And next picture, okay, that's where they cooked my breakfast, right? That's just a, a hole in the wall. Um, but one day, I, I, I didn't know what I was eating, but I was eating it. One day on this red chair, after they had shut breakfast down, they, this particular place serves breakfast. Little, this is just right on the side of the street. You're eating breakfast and five feet away, mopeds are zooming past you. Um, this lady was making the breakfast for the next morning (laughs) and it was a plastic bag, big plastic bag of mush. And it flipped back a couple pages, the next, the two pages. Those, those are meatballs of some kind of meat, but I don't know what. And she had a bag of this stuff and she would roll it up into a ball and put it into a next bag. And then the next morning, they had that big cooker thing going all night, cooking up the broth of the, of the, the, the pho. That's the, the rice noodles in a bowl with, with that, whatever me. And, and then they rotated. That was where we had breakfast every morning on the side of the street, right across the street from the hotel. Next picture. There, that's, this was another Rice noodles. This one was beef in this one. This was the best place. They, the, whatever they put in the broth was amazing. Next picture. There's, I tried. Brenda loves taking pictures of her food and putting it up. So I thought, well, I'm going to take pictures of my food because that seems to be the thing to do. But, um, so that was my bowl again. I, we, you have chopsticks. And a, okay, next picture. That's our hotel, the middle. The, it's called the, the Foo Lock. Right there, the tall one. Um, yeah, that one. And I'm taking that picture from where I sit at breakfast. We cross the street. 
and we have breakfast sitting on the side of the street, and all these cars literally are five feet away from you as you're zooming by. Um, but Pastor Nelson and I, we shared a, uh, a hotel room, and uh, it was $21 a night. And the Pastor Moses was extremely excited on the last day because he was able to negotiate a 10% discount for us. <laughs> So we paid $19 a night, so $9.50 each. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't $19 each. It was $9.50 each in there. It's literally, that building is literally 12 feet wide or something like that. It's just amazing. Uh, next picture. This was us having coffee. He would take us for breakfast, and we eat the noodle soup, uh, the rice noodle soup with whether it was beef, pork, chicken, they kind of rotated every day. And then we would walk about 20 feet down the road and go into this cafe and drink uh, Vietnamese coffee, uh, which is like sludge. I don't know if you've ever had Vietnamese. It's, it's amazingly thick and sludgy. Yeah. I asked and I got a cup of extra hot water that I would pour and water my coffee down. And it is strong as can be. But uh, they celebrate Christmas. It's amazing. You're walking through the streets and they have Christmas music blaring. And you're in a communist country and there you hear the gospel in the Christmas songs. <laughs> it's beautiful Christmas music. And it's, it's literally, you know, unedited little Christmas, you know, the old style Christmas carols. Not the new songs they come up with now. But the, the ones that actually shared the gospel in Christmas carols. The ones that I get to sing next week in. Because I'm worship leading. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's kind of a joke. But that, there you see a, 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 a Christmas tree. But take the next photo. That's the Christmas tree. They're badminton birdies. All put together with little. I thought that was neat. Uh, just they're, they're amazingly creative. But that, they, they put badminton birdies all in a Christmas tree. And that was in our coffee shop every morning. So, next. Oh, there you go. That's a little even closer. Oh, there we go. Um, one of the big, uh, big things in Vietnam is the war museum. And uh, because of the Vietnam War that happened. Um, on this particular day, the, uh, Pastor Moses took us to the old palace where the South Vietnamese government. And that was the last stronghold between the North and the South struggle. And that was the first tank that came through the gates from North Vietnam to overtake the palace. Uh, that was the first tank that crushed down the gates. So they, they have that on memorial at the palace. And so that's, yeah, we know who that is. Next picture. This was a fighter jet. And uh, he's a, the guy that drove this, flew this plane was a hero because he was undercover in the South Vietnamese army. He was from North Vietnam. He went undercover and became part of the South Vietnam army. And on the day of liberation, that's what they, the liberation day, as a South Vietnamese, he, the, the South Vietnamese army was supposed to be attacking the North Vietnam. Well, he turned his plane around and bombed South Vietnam, the, the palace. So he was a, he's a hero um, because he... Um, he actually bombed the palace um, using a South Vietnam airplane. And so they have that on memorial there as well. So this is, uh, this was a, an, one of, just before we left, we went and uh, went and visited the war, the war memorial uh, museum. So these are, these were American 
um, stuff that was captured. So tanks and bulldozers, next picture, helicopter. Um, Pastor Moses, as we were walking through, he was from South Vietnam. And uh, the, he has his father and two siblings. I forget if it was two brothers or a sister and a brother. Um, they were killed in their house that got blown up. So he wasn't home at that particular time. Him and his mom um, survived, but his dad and a couple siblings got killed. So it was, uh, this was an important time for him to take us through. And he had several stories of, of just the bombings and everything. So it was really very real to him. So um, he, he talked, he would go to various pieces of equipment and talk about them. And so it was, it was quite an event in there in the, his life, and that's another big helicopter that was captured. I think, is there more, or is that, okay. Oh, there's that food again. Can't get away from him. Uh, next. <laughs> this is, uh, this I think was one of the, the last day. We went walking down just a regular, sh- oh, well, not, they're, they're not regular streets. I guess for there, it's regular. So this is a fruit stand uh, in the basement of someone's home. They, they all seem to have their own little businesses, um, I was talking to somebody, it, and it's a communist country, but you would never know kind of just walking through the streets or, or uh, the town of Saigon, because um, you don't see any military, you don't see any army, you don't see any police, didn't see a single one except at the airport, just monitoring. So it, it's a hustle and a bustle everywhere. There's, okay, next picture, that's a fruit stand, that's flour and other various things just out on the street. Um, that's Pastor Nelson, um, uh, Pastor Moses and Pastor Cully at, uh, uh, a juicer stand. They serve fruit and stuff as you walk down the street. Next. This is the meat market. I found out where my meat came from. They, they just got it sitting out on platters on the street. It's amazing. And they're, you know, it's not covered, like not wrapped in plastic or nothing. It's just sitting out there on trays and, uh, pardon me? There's no ice. There's no ice, nothing. Those are just empty buckets with a big silver platter and the meat just on the platter. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, there, someone just riding their bike down the street. There's another little juice stand. Uh, you know, ladies will stand out all day and sell maybe 10, 15, 20 bottles of pop or water or, or all right. What's next? Oh, okay, there. Oh, go back one second. Those white things are, are Vietnamese coconuts. They do the same thing as in, in uh, Costa Rica, is they'll, they chop the top off them and then they put a straw in. And that's, that's their, I, I, yeah, that's their coconut there. And uh, that's quite, uh, uh, yeah, unsanitary. Uh, next. <laughs> there, there's a fruit stand. There's your meat on the right-hand side and your fruit and your veggies on <laughs> your supermarket right there. And they just sit out on the side of the street just selling their wares next. Then this is the street we're on. Completely packed and full and got fruit and vegetables and everything. Just amazing. This, oh, and this is our last day. On the way to the airport, we left at like we had to be at the airport at like 8 o'clock that night. And so the pastor invited us to his house. 
I am standing at the front door. This is the door of the house, the door post, the post of the house. It's literally a 12 by 12 front room. We didn't go any further. Uh, but that's our kitchen table, and that's the pastor's wife cooking. She's sitting there cooking in the living room. Next picture. So that's, I kind of swung a little bit to the left. That's Pastor Moses setting up the table for us. Swing back. Next picture. And that's her. Isn't that amazing? Just cooking right there in the living room. Um, yeah, and, and that's, our, that's what she made for us. Isn't that amazing? Probably six types of meat in there. Um, there's, oh, man, there's, yeah. Uh, did I, what's the next picture? Look at that, eh? I don't know what that was. But I ate it. I ate it. It was, okay, go back. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it was amazing. They're, they're, they, they just, pour, they gave everything they had. They, they made a feast. That was our going away meal. Uh, there was shrimp. There was squid. There was beef. There was chicken. There was, wow. They just, they spoiled us. But, but to see what they have, and the conditions that they do this all in. Um, and then you see the smiles on their faces. is quite amazing. I think that's all my pictures, right? That's it. So those are all the pictures. Gives you, whoa, it's 10, 20 after. Um, again, I think the greatest impact is you're looking at into the eyes of someone that has gone to jail for their faith. Amazing to see what they go through, and, and yet they still serve. They serve God with joyfulness, with passion. And, uh, yeah, I think that was the greatest impact. Is, is, um, and they, they don't ask you for anything. They just say, can you just pray for us? Just pray for us. And uh, so I think I'll leave my preaching. It's 20 after. Oh, you know what? I'm going to just give... Can I give you two minutes? Because it... Just to, to go along with some of the themes that we're, we've been preaching. Um, and and I, I preached part of this to them because they really, you know, they, they just can't openly witness. They can't just openly share the gospel. They can't openly worship. And I think... And God just laid this... this a couple stories of Jesus. Um, the first story of Jesus was when he was 12 and he went to the temple. They were celebrating the feast of the Passover and he went to the temple. And his parents on their way home couldn't find him. And when they went back, they found him talking to all the scribes and the Pharisees. And the, the thing that impacted me was they were amazed at his answers, and they were amazed at his questions. They were amazed at his insight. The next story that we see of Jesus is he's taken, he's gone to the temple again. Now he's roughly 30 years old. And he's taken the book of Isaiah and he reads from the book of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Reads four or five verses, he puts it down and it says everybody just stared at him. They just stared at him. 
They were amazed at the words that he spoke. Third story that just stuck out to me is Jesus walking through a village. And he stops at a tree. And there's a guy in the tree. And I thought, he probably wasn't the first guy he saw in a tree. Based on all the crowds that followed him, the people that wanted to see him. There were probably lots of guys in trees or people in trees, children in trees, wanting to see Jesus. But he stops at this tree. And calls the guy by name. Guy comes down and and says, I I need to come to your house for tea or lunch. And the guy's life gets changed, is, is just completely changed by whatever Jesus spoke to him, by whatever impact Jesus had on him. And as I, I mean, we've had a lot of discussions as pastors and people that I talk to and have coffee. What, you know, we, we try to go through all the different miracles. What, what it was Jesus? What was, what's the secret? Is there a pattern? Is there, how, how did he heal this guy? And how did he heal that guy? And as I w- read just these three incidences and, and there was another one in Mark, Mark chapter 2. A powerful story of Jesus going into this house. And it was packed. And four guys carried their friend and couldn't get in because it was so packed. And they, you know, opened the ceiling. There, there are two, two amazing words when I read that story. First, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisees, this, this is the word... For the Pharisees, they reasoned. They reasoned in their hearts. How can this be? How can he forgive? How can he heal? And it says they reasoned. Then the focus on the, in the scripture goes to Jesus. And the scripture says, Jesus perceived He read their hearts. Jesus perceived. The phrase that I believe was the key. This is a phrase. Jesus lived a lifestyle of revelation. His words had authority. Why? Because they were the words that God wanted him to say. His actions had power and authority because Jesus was consistently and constantly listening to the Father. And everything he said and did was directed by the Father. And as a result, he was walking down the street and stopped at a tree. Why? It wasn't because the guy stuck out. Because there were people all the time grabbing at him, pulling at him, touching the hem of his garment, asking him questions, getting his attention. This guy was sitting on a tree. He just wanted to look at Jesus. But 
the father said something to Jesus and Jesus stopped and looked and said, Zacchaeus called him by name. I need to go to your house. Revelation. God was continuously, the father was continuously revealing things to him as he walked down the streets. And that is the lifestyle that God wants us to walk in. A lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's not one day a week. I'm going to set aside Fridays to look for God working. Jesus said, the Father is constantly showing me. He is constantly talking. And Jesus, this is... Jesus said, I can do nothing. We're talking the Son of God saying, I can do nothing except the Father show me. So that puts us in the same category in the sense of what we can do as Jesus. Think of that. Jesus says, I can do nothing except the Father reveal it and show it to me. And I just, just on, on all the stuff that we've been talking and preaching about in the last little while, we hear Pastor Nelson quite often saying, I just pray every day, God, just show me, show me. And that is the lifestyle that God wants each one of us. And the key is, a lifestyle of revelation. And throughout the Gospels, you hear it said, and Jesus went aside to pray. Jesus, after the meal, after dinner, the disciples, they went to, to go to bed. And they said, Jesus went out all night to pray. Jesus took the disciples apart to pray. A constant Constant communication, constant communion with the Father to the point where Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you see me, you see my Father. And if you know, and this is where you got the Pharisees, if you know my Father, then you know me. That is how close. That's how close we can be to God himself. Jesus talked of himself saying, I am the light of the world. Then what did he tell us? In Matthew Matthew chapter 5, he goes through the Beatitudes. Then he tells us that we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Jesus said... When I go away, the Holy Spirit's going to come and the works and the things you've seen me do, even greater things you will be able to do. We can walk in that lifestyle of revelation every day. We just got to make ourselves available. We have to make ourselves open to God speaking to us. We have to have our ears and eyes awakened and open to God speaking to us. My time is up, but I want to pray because there's an amazing passage of scripture. 
This is Paul. This will be my closing. Because sometimes we think, oh, I can't do that. Oh, that was just Jesus walking in a lifestyle of revelation. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Do we have that on the overhead? Can we? I don't know if we can. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is talking about all the spiritual blessings in Christ that we have. How we have been ordained from the beginning, before the foundation of the world. Then he says, you've been redeemed. You've been purchased by the blood of Christ. He says that in verse 16, I believe he starts. He says, and when I think of you, this is my prayer. And this is what each one of us can walk in. Verse 17, this is his prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Each one of us. Each one of us can walk in a spirit of revelation every day. Revelation simply means back, means God just pulling back the curtain over our eyes. So to a point where Peter and James, or Peter and John, I think it's James, walking into the temple, and a guy that has been begging there for how many years? How many times did they walk past him? But one day, the veil was pulled back. And it says they fastened their eyes on him. All of a sudden, for, on this day, they stopped and they looked at him. Revelation. Silver and gold we don't have, but what we have, we can give. I'm going to pray that this week, that coworker that you've sat at a desk beside, God will just all of a sudden open your eyes. The student that you've been sitting beside for how many weeks and months, God will all of a sudden just reveal. And you don't have to give them nothing physically, but you can talk to them. You can encourage him. You can share some good news with him. Maybe there's a relative that you've, you've spent so many Christmases with. Well, this Christmas, God will open your eyes. A spirit of revelation. He also says wisdom. Because we need, when he opens our eyes, we need wisdom on how to proceed. But that is my prayer. Is that life won't just be the normal the normal just kind of stagger through it. Just get to the end of the day. Go to bed at night and say, oh, thank you, Lord, I made it through another day. <laughs> I've been there. Sometimes I'm still there. But we can instead at night going, God, thank you for letting me share something with that person. And God, thank you for giving me that opportunity to share some good news, some encouragement. And at the end of the day, we can go to bed excited because of what God did through us.
what God revealed to us. Amen? Why don't we all stand as we close? How many of you would love God to give you that spirit of revelation? Maybe accentuate it, increase it. I I went to uh, the mall yesterday, and I ran into this guy that I, I married them three years ago. And they had just called me out of the blue. They needed to be married. And I thought about them, and I thought about them, and I lost contact with them. And I ran into him yesterday. He recognized me. It was like, oh, wow. We chatted for a few minutes. And I actually gave him, I said, hey, where do you go to church? Like, I, you know, I get, I have serious, it doesn't sound like I have serious, you know, problems talking. But there are times, but I was able to share, hey, you know, because he doesn't go to, I said, what, what, you know, I said, I'm a pastor. I said, what's happening with your spiritual life? Oh, you know, it's it's busy, this, that. And I was able to share. And I gave him one of my business cards. I said, you know what? We'd love to see you. But God, God is constantly working. God has, is constantly having people cross our pathways. God is constantly revealing things to us. Are, are we ready to see? Are we really ready to act? Are we ready to share? How many of you would love to have that? A greater impartation of God's spirit of revelation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you are doing. God, you are constantly working around us. And God, you want to constantly work through us. Lord, we we are your vessels. We are your instruments. And, And throughout scripture, Lord, we see how you constantly work through individuals. And Lord, we want that individual to be us. We want to be instruments of your good news, of your kingdom. And Lord, this morning, we just pray that your spirit of revelation will just impact us to a greater extent. Lord, we open ourselves and make ourselves available this morning. That as we move forward, Lord, as this Christmas season comes upon us, Lord, help us... To have our ears and our eyes open to what you're doing. Let it not just be business as usual. But Lord, let it be business unusual. Let it be uncommon. Acts of opportunities. Acts of encouragement, God. Just open our ears and eyes to what you are doing. And and give us strength and courage to walk through those doors of opportunity. Lord, we thank you for what you are doing throughout the world. In so many nations, Lord, we hear of your incredible impact. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that you have given to us. Lord, make us good stewards of the opportunities and of the resources that you have placed in in our midst here. And in the name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.